Exodus, the 15th chapter. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. Exodus 15, verses 1 and 2. When you get it, say amen. Amen. Man, when Brother Adam gets it, amen. He got it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Amen. You may be seated this morning. The title of our lesson today is Leaving Slavery. Leaving Slavery. It's some unique context in our, in our focus verse this morning. Um, just kind of jumped out at me as we look at that Exodus 15 at 1. Then sang Moses this song unto the Lord. So he's singing a song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord. He's serious about this song. He starts off singing and says, hold on, I'm finna sing a song. And it goes right back in to singing the song of unto the Lord. Why? For he hath triumphed gloriously. I thought about that this morning. He, he went and, and he looked good while he was doing it. He triumphed gloriously. Amen, amen, amen. What a mighty God we serve today. Praise the Lord. The verse number two, the Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God. I love how, how he's putting this into perspective of it's him. I'm talking about me today. Uh, sometimes I need to make sure that I'm not talking about God in that context. I need to talk about my God. He's my God. Amen. Not just a God, but he is my God. Praise the Lord. Amen. The truth about God is the Lord is more powerful than things holding us in bondage. The Lord is more powerful than things holding us in bondage. I will celebrate my deliverance from being a slave to sin. Maybe one day a long time ago, you renounced your slavery, if you will. The Lord forgave you of your sins, and you have been living this glorious life, therefore, from then on. But I don't want to forget that day. Amen. That day that my burdens rolled away. Amen. I don't want to forget that day. Amen. The Lord is more powerful than things holding us in bondage. You ever got a Amazon package? That's everybody, 100%. An Amazon package, and they use that super-duper tape, and you jerk it, and you pull on it, and 
just give me the knife because there's no other way. You can't get in it. And then you rip that one apart, and there's another box on the inside. Amen. I, I have felt that away in life. I've been in the Amazon package, and the tape was super-duper, and I was in a box and a box and a box. But thank the Lord that he can rip the box away, can tear the super-duper tape away, and all of the things that would love to put me in the box can be ripped to, to shreds. Amen. And I can experience freedom from slavery. Praise the Lord. God delivered Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders that no one could deny. Through his servant Moses, God sent ten plagues upon Egypt. The first plague turned the Nile River into blood, which destroyed their primary water source and killed all the fish. Not to be outdone, the Egyptian musicians used dark magic to also turn water into blood. The same thing happened with the second plague. As Moses commanded, an overabundance of frogs invaded Egypt with such force that the filthy creatures could be found in every bedroom and kitchen cabinet in Egypt. Once again, the Egyptian magicians used dark magic to conjure up even more frogs. The Egyptians were determined to prove that their gods were stronger. Man, that's a terrible day, Sister Krista. You open the cabinet and little Hoppy is right there looking at you. Uh, oh. Woo, what, a, what a night trying to sleep with the frogs. Oh. However, the third plague was different. Moses struck the ground, and the dust of the air became gnats that tormented every human and animal in Egypt. The Egyptian magicians tried as they might to replicate this plague, but they could not. Just three rounds into the battle, the God of the Israelites had already proven he was superior. By the sixth plague, the magicians could not even stand on their feet. By the eighth plague, all the servants of Pharaoh were actively begging Pharaoh to let Moses and the Israelites go. They realized how much more powerful the God of Moses was over all their pagan gods. God is almighty. Praise the Lord. I read a, the first verse, the first sentence I read says, God delivered Israel out of Egypt with signs and wonders that no one could deny. I thought about that this morning, and in my deliverance, and from where people seen me that I was until the new creature that he created, was there an evidence that no one could deny, or did I show back up Monday the same old guy? I was delivered. Uh, August the 19th, 1992. I remember it well. Amen. That's been a few years back. Praise the Lord. I was talking a little bit about this yesterday. We were in a 42-day revival with no off nights. That's a long time. 12 years old, and the Lord said, I'm going to change this guy. I'm going to break the chains of slavery from him. And thankfully, I believe that the school at that time, I was in school Seen a different me that Monday morning. Amen. That no one could deny. It's something that I couldn't do. 
in and of myself, but the Lord made a change in me. I don't want to go back to that old man, if you will. Praise the Lord. I, I want to be that new creature. I don't want to go back in the box. Amen. Think about that for a moment. Walk with my imagination here today. As we are enslaved in sin, when, when, you, when you're put into that place and are allowed for yourself to go in and allow the things of the world to attack you and connect to you, it is a very dark place. It really kind of reminds me of the inside of the box. All the light shut out, the air is stale, and it feels like I can't communicate with anybody or it's muffled at best when we're in that box of sin. Oh, but when the box is tore away and fresh air comes and the light comes and I can communicate happens, what wonderful feelings, what wonderful emotions that we have when that is done away with. I think about that sometimes. How do I continue to find myself getting back in the box? I don't like it. It don't feel good. It's it's not pleasant at all. But some way or another through life, things happen and I sin. I don't even like saying that. Even though I know it's a reality, boy, I don't like saying it because I hate getting back in the box. Mm. Brother Moat said it a couple weeks back. Paul said it, I abhor the flesh. Oh, I hate this flesh sometimes. Oh, because that lust of the flesh gets me back in the box, and I don't want to go back there. I hate this flesh sometimes. In the modern times, few people serve literal idols of wood and stone. However, many still worship at the altars of money, career, fame, or or other worldly standards of success. God has no problem proving any of these gods as weak and insufficient. If we will allow him to, God can demonstrate himself as the only God worth serving. The only God worth serving. None of this other stuff has any worth. It's really no value there. It's just not. God is the only God of any value. And oh, how valuable he is to me. Ha, hallelujah today. Amen. I don't know how to put a price tag on it this morning. Oh, how valuable my Lord is. Praise the Lord. God used the plagues to demonstrate himself as real and powerful in the lives of the Egyptians. The ten plagues also helped make God know, known to the Israelites. Truthfully, the Israelites had not been living in freedom God desired for them. The plagues on Egypt revealed to the Hebrews that God was still on their side and fighting for 
them. Even during their darkest hour, the plagues reminded them that God was still in control and working for their deliverance. God sent Moses to remind them of God's message. Today, God has given us pastors, preachers, and other spiritual leaders to guide us and remind us of God's power and plan for our lives. Sometimes I have to be reminded. Oh, I don't want to forget his goodness. Oh, I don't want to forget his kindness. I love songs that start talking about the goodness of the Lord because it reminds me of just how good he has been and how kind he has been and how merciful my Lord has been. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. At any point, the Hebrews could have chosen not to believe God and remain in slavery. On the other hand, the Egyptians could have repented and humbled themselves before God, and the plagues would have ceased. Thankfully, Exodus 14.31 records that the, that the Israelites saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Think about that this morning. That's Exodus 14.31. They saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord or had, had reverence to him. But not only did they have reverence to the Lord, they believed the Lord and his servant Moses. If you take that and unwind it and unpackage it a little bit, you can't believe the Lord if you don't have reverence for him. So it starts off with that godly fear and reverence to him, respect, reverence to the Lord. Once you have that, then you can go to phase two. You can believe him. And sometimes we get hung up there because there's more than just having reverence to the Lord and believing the Lord, but we, we have to believe his servant, Moses in this case, pastor in our case, amen, fear the Lord, believe the Lord, and his servant, Moses. Hallelujah. Today, I, I want to have that holy reverence to the Lord. Amen. Amen. And I, I want to believe what he says. Amen. But I also want to believe what the man of God says to me. Praise the Lord. We have to understand this distinction. Praise the Lord today. This type of fear does not mean they were scared or anxious about what God might do. In this context, the, the fear God means to revere and respect God with a sense of awe and wonderment. I just stand in awe of him sometimes. Hallelujah. There's songs about that too today. But if I, when I think of his goodness and I think of all that he's done for me and I think of how lacking that I am, I just stand in awe. I don't know why you chose me, Lord. I'd stand in awe. I don't deserve it, Lord. I just 
stand in awe. Oh, but I fear you today, and I believe you, and I believe the man of God that you put in my life. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. And when I do that, I can have power with him. I can understand my instructions. I can know the ways I should go. Hallelujah. Amen. And I can recognize his great power and sovereignty over the world and over my life. What a mighty, I said it a bunch of times, I'll say it again. What a mighty God we serve. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord made a distinction between Israel and Egypt. Later during the ten plagues, only the oppressive Egyptians were affected because God made a distinction between his people and their enemies. Plague after plague, God shielded the Israelites, their land and their possessions from the effects. The Egyptians got weaker and weaker while God's children grew stronger and stronger. God powerfully demonstrated his justice by rightly judging the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. With this knowledge, we can be confident that God, that the God of the Israelites is actively working on our behalf to free us from sin and bondage which the enemy would try to oppress us. Even when it seems like the wicked are prevailing, we must remember that God sees the situation perfectly. Here's our prayers to him. He has already made the distinction between his children and the enemy. He is fighting for us. So many times we want to see that in a monetary demonstration. I do. Well, God, if you are on my side and there's this distinction, I should make $4 million a year and everybody else should make four. That's not how it works. Matter of fact, I don't... If, if that was the distinction, I would probably fall because of that amount. But the Lord blesses me, and it's not maybe in status or, or my bank account. He has blessed my bank account, but it's not just that. The blessings of the Lord are way more than a worldly success. Put a price on peace. Put a price on abundant joy. Put a price on freedom from from sin. Oh, hallelujah. There's no monetary value that I can associate with that today. Oh, yeah, money's nice and wealth is, that's all great. Oh, but give me mercy and give me grace and give me love today. That's where the blessings are at uh, Hallelujah, hallelujah. And I'm so glad there's a distinction made. I am blessed. Praise the Lord. Come on, Brother Jace. Praise the Lord. I am blessed. I am blessed. Amen. I'm so thankful for God's word. Now, if you hear any of this tonight, if you hear any of this before, um, I apologize right now, but there was something that came to my mind while he was talking. Uh, I have no idea if 
as a Bible college student, you consume so much word that you have no idea where you heard the word. <laughs> I needed to take some notes where I, I where where I heard the word a little bit. But I, I was t- was reading over it and where the Lord made distinction between Israel and Egypt. And I had heard a story and I heard some history about it where Joseph specifically told his father Israel that to tell the to tell the Pharaoh that they were a shepherd, that they were a shepherd nation. So the reason why that, that, that it wouldn't make much sense for Israel to tell the Egyptian Pharaoh that he was a shepherd because Egyptians hated shepherds. They were disgusting. They were the lowest of lows, and they didn't want anything to do with them. Well, Joseph knew that, and he told his father, tell the, uh, uh, tell the Pharaoh that you are a shepherd. And the reasoning, and I, I can only attribute it to Joseph's godly wisdom, is that he knew that the Pharaoh would separate them. They knew, he knew that since Pharaoh knew that they were shepherds, they were going to get their own separate place. Because Joseph knew if they had changed their lifestyle, if his family changed their lifestyle, they would go and integrate into Egypt and they would not have an identity of Israel. No, they probably wouldn't have been into slavery because they would be integrated into society. They wouldn't be under sin per se, but they would be a part of it because there would be no distinction. There is no distinction when you are a part of it. Praise the Lord. The, the ninth plague was, was something that I find, find great interest in. It was the plague of darkness. It was the plague of all of Egypt is plunged into black darkness that you couldn't see I couldn't see brother brother Justin if I wanted to it was the deepest and darkest darkness that you can imagine but in Goshen the sun still rose and the sun still still set there was the distinction between light and darkness there was a distinction what is the difference what what ended up being the difference between Egypt and Israel is the blood. The blood of the lamb protected to those who applied it. The tenth and final plague did not affect the Israelites, but God issued a special caveat to this final plague. Exodus 12, 12 through 13 is, is explaining what happens when death comes. However, in the 10th plague, God purposed to kill the firstborn of every household. But God gave special instructions for how the Israelites might protect themselves from this suffering. Each household was commanded to slaughter a lamb and smear the blood on the doorframe of the house. When God would pass through the land to enact the final plague, he would see the blood covering of the household and pass over the house. And everyone in the house would be spared. 
This is a, fore, a foretelling of the great judgment. This is the foretelling of the end. Because when death passes through this world and there is not blood on your doorstep, death is going to take you. Death is going to take you. What is the blood? What, what blood are we talking about, Ronald? We're talking about the blood of Jesus. We're talking about the blood of Jesus. 1 John 1, verse 7. Brother Adam, if you have that, I would love for you to pop that up on the screen. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, and that it correlates right with if we are in Goshen, when we should be in Goshen, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son cleanses us from all sin. So if we stay where we need to be, if we just stay distinct from Egypt, if we stay distinct from the world, and then on top of that we stay in the light and then we apply the blood of Jesus upon our lives, that's when we can be cleansed from all sin. Couple of verses right before that, it talks about if we walk, if we say that we walk in the light, but actually do not do it. It's it's just a couple of verses before that, verse six or five or so. I'm doing a hermeneutical hermeneutical study on this a little bit. So, at school, if we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not the truth. So if we are an Egyptian, we are naturally Egyptians because we're Gentiles. So we were born in darkness. Here, keep it up there, keep it up there. I I have to reference something. I can't go off the top of my head, praise the Lord. So we are born in darkness. We are a part of the Gentile nation. But we say that we have fellowship with God. But we don't walk in the light. If we don't make the transition over to Goshen. I I know, I hope you all are following me. If we don't make the right caveats and we don't make the right convictions and we don't make the right commitments to step over to Goshen and to be able to step into the light and have the blood applied to us, but we say, oh, I have fellowship with him. It's a lie. And we do not do the truth. We don't have the blood applied to us. Even though we say, hey, I love Jesus and he loves me. And we, we, come, we may come to church and there, there may be stuff that we do that no one else per se does. But then we go out back into the darkness. And we are not the light that he has called us to be. And we don't have the real blood applied to us. Sin is going to come and to consume. Praise the Lord. I will apply the blood of Jesus to my life. The ultimate lamb. The ultimate person that can cleanse my sin. Praise the Lord. Just as the Israelites applied the blood to the doorsteps of the houses, so the New Testament believers 
applied the blood of Jesus to their souls when they repented and were buried in baptism and received the Holy Spirit. We also know that we have the chance to apply the blood of Jesus to our lives. Since the death of Christ once and for all, Hebrews 10.10, if you want to put it up there, we must believe that His blood is still effective to this day. We can still apply His blood to our lives and experience redemption, cleansing, and deliverance. By which, by the which we will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. It happens. It happens once and for all when the great trumpet is sounded, and if there is blood on your doorstep, you can be sanctified, and you can be in heaven. Praise the Lord. Leaving slavery. Leaving slavery. At the same time, God gave the Israelites instructions to protect themselves during the Passover. He also gave them instructions to make the remembrance of the event an annual celebration. In Exodus 12 and 14, God instructed them to make this day a memorial. And the Passover would be a time to feast and to celebrate but also to worship and to honor God. To this day, devout Jews still celebrate the Passover to collectively remember God's divine deliverance and protection. How many times do you make a memorial? Just as Brother Justin made mention where he received the Holy Ghost, he remembers that. And I'm sure every year on that very date, he makes a memorial moment that, wait, this is my Holy Ghost birthday. This is when I was delivered. This is when I was set free from slavery. This is where I can come every single year and remember God delivered me from stuff. This is where I stepped into the light. This is where I stepped into what he has for me. On the Israelites' way out of Egypt, God added another blessing on top of their deliverances. The Egyptians were so weak from the plagues that God allowed the Hebrews to plunder the Egyptians on their way out of town. They took precious metals and jewelry and clothing and whatever they wanted from the Egyptians. And the Hebrews simply asked, and the Egyptians gave it to them. When you're on your way, out of town. When you are on your way to deliverance, there may be things all around you. And some of them you might want to bring and some of them you might want not want to. Now the essentials, I guarantee you. Now, I may be reading into this story, and Pastor can correct me if I'm wrong. But when they grabbed the jewels, and when they grabbed the ornaments, and they grabbed everything that they could put their hands on, and they just asked the Gentiles to give it to them, and they gave it to them, what caused them to falter in the, in the wilderness? What caused them to... What, what did they give up to Aaron to bake a golden calf? Yeah. 
to make another God besides Yahweh. So when you're headed out of deliverance, when you're headed out of slavery, when you're headed out of darkness, just don't grab anything that you could put your hands on. Don't hold on to the old stuff that you missed. Because that stuff is going to come and bite you. Now there is riches and there is mercy in the light. But don't hold on to the darkness for longer than you want. Praise the Lord. I will celebrate my deliverance from sin. Man, when the Israelites reached the Red Sea, some of them had thought of God's divine favor they had experienced until this point was about to cease. The Red Sea was too wide and treacherous to cross with so many people, and the Egyptian army was hot on their trail. However, God was not done delivering his children, and Moses lifted up his staff, and the Red Sea parted, revealing a path straight away across the sea with a wall of water on either side. Miraculously, the Israelites crossed on dry ground when the Egyptians attempted to pursue them. God lifted his hand, and the water returned destroying the entire Egyptian army. God had not brought the Israelites out of Egypt just to allow them to perish in the Red Sea. Similarly, God has not delivered us from our sins and transgressions to allow us spiritually to perish when we encounter various trials. God could not start on a path unless He planned on walking with us every step of the way. He did not fill you with the Holy Ghost and say, well, There it is. He got the Holy Ghost. See you later. He did not give you the Holy Ghost and He did not give you deliverance not to walk along each and every path that you take. And and, and actually, we need to be following Him in every path that He takes. (laughs) Because if I read that right, the Israelites did not split the Red Sea. The Lord did. So that was not their path. That was his path. Their path without God was getting decimated by the Egyptians. But his path made a way out of no way. When the Israelites were truly free from the Egyptians, Exodus 15 records a song that Moses and the children of Israel sang to worship God. In this song, they sang about God's destruction of the Egyptians and the Red Sea. And just like the Israelites sang this song in Exodus 15 and celebrated their deliverance annually with the Passover celebration, we should also regularly celebrate the fact that we have been saved. Even if we don't have a formal feast, we should make a point to share a testimony as often as possible. By doing so and memorializing the monumental change God has wrought in our lives. When we share our testimonies, when we encourage others and strengthen ourselves by keeping God's delivering power at the forefront of our minds. Praise the Lord. There's a lesson connection story. I'm going to try to be brief about it, and this is my closing remarks. Marcus will never forget when he first met Randy. 
Marcus was teaching Bible school at the time, and he and Randy were in a couple of the same classes. And Randy was certainly not a traditional student. He was almost 30 years old, and while most of his classmates were teenagers in their early 20s, his clothes were nice but not expensive. He was quiet and reserved and not the first person to speak up. By the way, I know these people. I, I, I don't know them personally, but in my mind I can think of people who, who these people are, even at my own Bible college. Academically, he was certainly not the best student, but he was the hardest worker. He spent countless hours in libraries receiving special tutoring just to eke out C's in his class. But he was proud of himself just for passing. When Randy moved to the area to attend college, he began attending the same church Marcus had attended, and Randy immediately formed a special connection with the pastor. Not long after Randy arrived, the pastor invited him to preach a main service. He stumbled through the scripture reading, and it was clear that the reading was not his strong suit, and got lost in his notes, and sometimes it was hard to follow. However, while he could re- few could recall the title of his sermon or the text from which he preached, everyone seems to remember how Randy was telling the story of his conviction. Tears flowed down his cheeks and he began, his voice began to tremble. But when he spoke with confidence and conviction, this is his story. Just a few years ago, I was homeless, Randy shared. I was pushing shopping carts for a living, uh, for a living at a grocery store in the little town in the middle of nowhere. And I would spend my days pushing carts in front of the store and my evenings and the nights behind the store doing any drug I could get my hands on. All my friends were alcoholics, smokers, and drug addicts. Then one day I was laying in the grass by the store when a man approached me and began to tell me about Jesus. The man told me that I didn't have to live that way anymore and I could be free from all my addictions. That night he gave me a ride to church and I was so desperate that I went right down to the altar and raised my hands and prayed for deliverance. That night, God filled me with the Holy Ghost and instantly freed me from all the addictions. And I never smoked, drank, or did drugs again. And I never had the desire to do either. Not only did God set me free, but He shielded me from any withdrawals. God showed me that day He is stronger, stronger than any addiction or sin that would try to keep me in bondage. Now I'll never stop telling the story of how God delivered me. He set me free, and he can set you free as well. That's not the end of the story. Randy's sermon at the beginning of this lesson was not the, well, I had just read it, was not the last one he would ever preach. Randy did not graduate from the Bible school, but shortly after he had arrived there, he received his ministry license and was asked to pastor a church near where he was saved. He moved back home and took over a church of only five people who were renting a tiny storefront that only could seat a dozen or so people. Randy did not care how big his church was, and he knew the church could not afford to pay him. He just wanted to tell people about the same God who delivered him from his addictions and spiritual bondage all those years ago. A few years passed, and Marcus and his wife were planning on traveling overseas on a mission trip. And when Randy heard about this, he invited them to minister at his church so they could support. When Marcus walked into the church, he was flabbergasted. 
The church of five people had grown to almost to a hundred. The church now rented three storefronts in the strip mall, and they were trying to buy the entire plaza. When Randy and his wife treated Marcus and his wife to a meal afterward, Randy handed Mark one of the largest checks he had ever received up to that point to help fund their missions trip. Marcus sat in the small town buffet and stared at Randy in amazement. Marcus began to gush and how well the church was doing, and Randy was humbled as ever and redirected all the praise and glory back to God. I have to ask, Marcus said, what was your secret to growing this church? Did you use any special tools or programs? He's not the God of programs. Randy smiled and his eyes brimmed with tears and he began to speak. And he said, do you remember that my testimony I told all those years ago at Bible school? Well, my pastor told me that I just needed to keep on telling that story. And he told me that the world needed to hear about the saving and delivering power of Jesus Christ. When I came to pastor this church, I kept telling people about how God had saved me. Sometimes I even post pictures on social media and on the screen of the church of myself before I was saved. When people see those photos and hear those stories, that they realize there is hope for them too. Now almost all the people in my church are former drug addicts and alcoholics. And I cannot tell you how many times and how many people God has delivered from addictions, either instantaneously or over time. And every time I see another soul set free, it reminds me, I have to keep telling people about who God can deliver. God can deliver you. He can set you free from the slavery, a bondage of sin. He can, mm, Holy Ghost, have your way. He can help you walk in the light. Because he is the light in this dark and forsaken world. Praise the Lord.